What is up and welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football Lovers Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Gordon. First and foremost, thank you for listening to today's podcast and I hope you enjoy because today we're talking about my favorite dynasty values out of the AFC East. This is a weird division with some random talent and also a lot of uncertainty. I'll be discussing who some of my followers think are their greatest uh Dynasty values first in the division, so uh, you can see what others might be thinking, not just me. So let's dive on into this ugly ass mess, shall we? Let's look at some of the players my followers believe in are the best values in the AFC East, starting with Dalton underscore key 97. Believing Devontae Parker is his best and favorite dynasty value, which he has a great point. As Parker is being taken right now as the wide receiver 36 and 72nd overall, which to me is absolutely insane. And like, I don't hate it because I love that the world is giving me a potential top 10 wide receiver at a discounted price. So so that, you know, I can get value elsewhere at the beginning parts of the draft. I, I understand why he's still low because people don't trust him, but... If that were the case on many other players, how can you trust guys like A.J. Brown so much when, you know, he depended on efficiency in a super low passing offense and has only one year of production for us to to be able to evaluate? Yet in dynasty drafts, he's being taken as the wide receiver 10 and 24th overall. You know, that's just mind-blowing to me. But hey, you know... Dalton uh, underscore key 97 sees a great value, and so do I. While others are just a bunch of pansies, uh, not wanting that, you know, massive upside that he has. For Parker, you want to look at the smaller metrics, like yards per reception, which is 16.7, average target distance, 13.8, and contested catch rate, which is 51.4%. Since you don't want to look at, you know, just the end of the season totals, which can be, you know, a little inflating and deceiving. And uh, I I do believe, you know, once Tua starts and he makes those strides in the NFL, Parker is going to be a fabulous asset to have on your dynasty team. And he is going to be consistently in the top 24. And another follower... The FF man says that Preston Williams, you know, Parker's teammate, is an even better value in Dynasty, and he may be right. As I think his upside is a wide receiver 2-3 to type of player, but he's being taken as if, you know, it's a redraft league and at the uh, wide receiver 54, 119th overall, so he's being valued as a wide receiver 5. And you can get them in like the you know the ninth and tenth rounds of your draft after you've already got your core players. If he gets back to his beginning of his rookie year groove, then he should be just fine as a flex play. I don't see him as the wide receiver one on his team as uh, some people do. You know, uh, him him being better than Parker. You know, I just don't see that. And uh, if you if you look into the whole targets thing between them two, Parker was way better than Williams 
with the with the targets that he received while Williams depended on that volume in order to put up fantasy points. As you know, he, he didn't do much after the catch. As in, on his 32 receptions, he literally only had 47 yards after the catch. So he's catching the ball and then falling down. But, you know, you know, as another pro to his game you want to look at, he was an amazing contested catch guy as well, who caught 47.6% of the contested ball thrown at him, which was 14th in the league. And his average target distance was 14.9 yards, ranked 10th best in the league. So he was kind of deployed like, a, like, like Mike Williams. As you know, he's not the fastest guy, yet he's utilized as, you know, that deep threat type of player. You know, if uh, if you watch the film or if you look at the stats, uh, he he's literally being sent out as as Mike Williams is on the Chargers. And next we have from Nick underscore La Puerta, and his is Damian Harris, and he also said Nikhil Harry, but I personally think that he's the best dynasty value on the Patriots. So uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be hearing about him later on. So let's just move right on into uh, Mr. Harris on the Patriots. He could be a very sneaky steal as the Patriots always use random running backs, and they they always seem to make them look good. You know, it's it's just this you know the random guy. That was taken in the third round last year after Sonny Michelle broke out in his rookie year. So, you know, they, they must know what they're doing as, as, you know, the organization is what I'm saying. If they didn't trust Sonny Michelle after he just broke out, they must know something. There, there must be something lingering with Sonny Michelle on that knee that no one else knows about other than that organization. Because why... Would you draft another running back with with decently high capital? You know, uh, a third round draft pick. You you can get a starting player for your team at, at at the third round. And you know they opted to go for the running back position. You know, just just think about that, and and also they, I don't know why that they would have even invested that much into. A running back because normally they they make all these other random dudes that they you know pick up off the streets or they pick in the later rounds you know that that nobody wants and they make them look good you know players such as like you know Rex Burkhead you know you got James White LeGarrette Blunt Mike Gillisley Dion Lewis and the list goes on and on you know you get my point you know Damian Harris has great burst and he has a proven track record at Alabama. Sony is coming off yet another surgery. So his knee just might be down to bone on bone at this point. And, you know, it's probably freaking grinding like teeth on each other. You know, ugh, you know this is super uncomfortable. So let's put Harris, a guy who can do both White's job and Michelle's job with the size and speed and ability to actually catch the ball. You know, he has a massive upside, like top 24 upside is what I'm talking about. And he's being taken as a running back 52, 163rd overall. So this is, uh, you know, lets you wait until the later rounds to take a shot on a super high upside guy like him. 
You know, I love that pick. Thank you for turning that in, uh, Nick underscore La Puerta. All right, and now starting off with my picks, you know, going back onto the New England Patriots, let's talk about Nikhil Harry. I still don't understand how he can go from the best wide receiver, the rookie wide receiver in his class, and being drafted as the first or second wide receiver in the rookie drafts last year, but now he's an afterthought with no faith in him. And people would rather have an aging Edelman over him, which I am disgusted by. This is the type of shit that makes me go bonkers, man. I personally hate Edelman. Uh, you know, this year, just to say, you know, uh, you, you can say what you want, but, but he's going to be a complete dumpster fire, Edelman is. You know, with he's going to be very, very, very irrelevant. With the team trying to go younger. And, and he's pretty much going to be in a, in a Larry Fitzgerald type of role. If you know what I'm saying. Like he's, he's not going to have massive upside. He's not, gonna, he's not super talented anymore. He, he's getting washed up. And he, he no longer has that. Well, this isn't for Larry Fitzgerald's point of view. But you know, for Edelman's point of view. He doesn't have that connection with Tom Brady anymore. He's going to have either... Cam Newton or Jarrett Stidham. None of which have rapport with him. Not like the way Tom Brady did. They did not have that same type of connection. So, anyways, you know, I believe that the the Patriots will try to contend early. But if they can't make things work in five to six weeks, they're totally going to switch that real quick into rebuild mode. Start trading away assets at their highest value and build through the draft like they always do. And, and, you know, Harry, that's why I am so high on him. Because he's one of the guys where they're going to keep him. And they're going to almost force him to be good. They're going to force feed this guy. Okay? And, you know, he, it's not like he, you know, people are worried about, you know, him being injured. He came back last year already and he played you know in a limited fashion i understand but he started i want to say it's five out of those seven games so he obviously he was doing just fine health health wise so he's going to be starting the season fully healthy and no matter what like no matter who's that quarterback you know stidham uh he he's worked with him in practice and training camp so they have some rapport you know so there's going to be some trust there and there and there's going to be some some chemistry and you know even if it's cam newton you know his broken ass who who has always been able to support and produce a wide receiver one or two every season no matter what so i think cam can at least help him be a solid wide receiver too there isn't any doubt in my mind that he will be a valuable asset this year and definitely in years to come next up we got the uh, the Miami Dolphins, and this one might be one of the one of those uh, surprising picks. As I'm choosing Matt Breida, who has league fucking winning upside. That's right, you heard it here first. League winning upside. He's still only 25 years old. He's 5'9", 195 pounds, and runs a 4 4 4 40 time. That's right, 4 4 4 4. Let's go, guys. 
He has never gotten a full workload, and I'm not expecting that either. I'm not expecting him to get a full workload. But he's going to get at least 35% of the snaps, and it's going to be the more effective, more productive uh, snaps that matter as a pass catcher. So, And those are way more valuable, as I'd rather have a guy who gets four to five targets a game rather than a bum who's going to get 12 to 15 carries. And it's not like he won't get a few carries here and there anyways. So he's going to get those home run plays on the ground already, you know, every so often. But more often, uh, not uh, more often than not, he's going to get you those like uh, those James White, you know, type of production, which could be what Brian Flores is looking for in general. This could be what he was looking for in the first place. He, he's looking to be like Bill Belichick and have that type of system for himself. So he went and got Jordan Howard, the bruiser, the Sony Michelle-esque type of player. Like, you know, he was looking for that, that in-between-the-tackles guy. And then a James White guy. You know, a guy who can, can do it in the passing game, can be that, that outlet, can, can be that, you know, home run guy. You know, so... And in, in the event that Jordan Howard misses any time, he's going to have massive upside that can destroy your league mates since, you know, he would be your third or fourth option. And he could be thrown into your flex spot and just dominate for you. Do not miss or pass up on him because you're afraid of injury or, you know, just afraid of him being on the Dolphins in general because I know how they are in the past. You know, they just can't seem to make a running back produce on the Dolphins, which... Adam Gase has just jacked that whole system up to where, like, the the whole perception, deception kind of thing is, like, ever since he's been there, it ruined running backs. But Adam Gase is gone. You know, last year was just kind of like them starting off fresh and getting rid of pieces, and now this is, this is Brian Flores' team to what he wants it to look like. And don't be a pussy because... Pussies don't win championships, man. Go get this guy, take a chance on him, and he is going to pay huge dividends. And coming up now is my favorite rookie prospect in Denzel Mims of the New York Jets. This dude, this dude's a human that was built by the gods who can turn into a goddamn monster. At 6'3", 210 pounds, runs a 4.38 fording time, and has fantastic burst and agility. He showed in college he can dominate in the red zone, and he has an insane catch radius. Literally, all you see is this guy snagging the ball out of the air, barely in his reach, but makes them all the time. He is super strong after the catch, clearly fast. And doesn't just break tackles. This man breaks them ankles too, boy. And steals them and eats them for breakfast. He's going to be the alpha wide receiver on the Jets. And he is going to be the most productive rookie wide receiver this year. He fell to a perfect landing spot. And he will be this year's DK Metcalf. There is no doubt in my mind that he is going to... uh, He's not going to fail. And he is not going to be a bust. There is just no way. I've got extremely high expectations for him as if he were my own son. I just don't see a way for this guy failing unless it's due to injury. But other than that, 
This guy's a surefire bet to be a great wide receiver in this league for this year and for many to come. He's being taken as the wide receiver 45 and 94th overall after guys like T. Higgins and Michael Pittman, which doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. Like, what are normal people thinking of when they're getting guys like Pittman? Like, do you think Pittman's going to have a better year in career than Mims? Like, seriously? Take Mims with confidence and don't look back, okay? Lastly, I've got two guys because, you know, I, I just couldn't decide on who I like more on the, on the Bills. Uh, so I chose Isaiah Hodgins and Gabriel Davis. So let's just talk about them both. Davis was taken earlier than Hodgins. Not only in the draft, but, you know, in fantasy drafts as well. With him going at the wide receiver 101 and 222nd overall. And Hodgins is being taken at the wide receiver 111 and 236th overall. You know, not much of a difference, which is why it was very hard to choose between these guys. And, you know, uh, Davis offers more speed to go along with some of the, some of the height. As he's 6'2", 215 pounds, and runs a 4'5", 4, 4, while Hodgins is a more lengthy, you know, a slower, contested catch, route, good route running guy. At a, he's 6'4", 210 pounds, and runs a 4'6", 140. And for Davis, I, I love what he does on, uh, on deep routes and on, uh, on deep posts and seam routes. As he's a guy that I can see taking John Brown's spot. You know, not necessarily being the John Brown type of player, but Stephon Diggs and John Brown are kind of the same type of player. So that's why I, I like, I like uh, Davis to take his spot on the field, not his role. And, and I like, I'd like to see him more of the, uh, kind of like how I was saying before with the Mike Williams kind of play. Where he can be the deep threat technically, even though he doesn't have that technically super fast speed. I mean, he has good speed, but it's just not, you know, that super fast burner speed. And... You know, for Hodgins, though, I really want to see him as a big slot guy and take over for Cole Beasley because I, I, I really see him being like the, that Tyler Boyd, you know, that Juju Smith-Schuster. You know how they're, the, the league is evolving into where the slot wide receiver is a bigger dude. And I love what Hodgins can do as a route runner. I love what he can do as a contested catch uh, type of guy. So throwing him in there, he, he kind of reminds me of like, especially like Cooper Cup, who is bigger. He's not as fast, but he's a great route runner, and, he, and he's got sticky hands, okay? And that's, that's kind of what you, what you want in a slot wide receiver. Like, you don't need that, that burner anymore to be in the slot. Like, anybody could beat up on the, on the nickel corner, okay? How about that? Imagine that young core. You got Diggs, Hodgins, and Davis all in the field. Okay, that just makes so much sense to me. I mean, obviously, I'm not their fucking, uh, you know, GM making these decisions. But, you know, it just makes sense to have that cheap core, allowing them to keep their defensive pieces so they can hopefully remain competitive rather than only being relevant for a couple of years again. I don't see these guys being instant producers. 
other than, you know, just here and there, kind of, you know, they'll have a few snaps in a game and other games where it's like, uh, you know, that helps nobody kind of games. You know, if you guys remember those days uh, where where they go off for even, like, you know, two touchdowns in one game, and it's just like that, okay, thanks. Nobody has you in your lineups because you're you're irrelevant right now. But I, I like what they could be in the next two years. And it's not like you're investing a lot into them. Let them ride on your bench or your taxi squad for a year or two and see if the Bills let go of Brown or Beasley, allowing one of them to bloom. The Bills have already talked about using them for their height in the red zone and end zone, so I believe it's just a matter of time before they are given full-time roles replacing these other guys. And that does it for this episode. If you want to be mentioned on here, uh, all you have to do is follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football Lovers and participate on my story. If you enjoy this podcast, you know, like, comment, subscribe, you know, all the good things. Uh, be sure to come back for some more good stuff like this and let me know on Instagram what you would like to uh, hear on here, what you, what you would like me to talk about. If there's anything specific you want uh, just my opinion on. Or want to hear. And uh, y'all. I'll catch you guys on the flip side.